there, wonderful humans. Welcome to Board Game Dads, the podcast slash video cast. This is episode September 2022. My name is Anthony. And my name is Eric. And we are the Board Game Dads, back with another monthly podcast. We're going to do a little bit of an August recap first, and then we got a whole bunch of September stuff to talk to y'all about. Mm-hmm. So, summer is winding down, for sure. Uh, we did just wrap up August, although as of this recording, there's a little bit of August left, but you guys don't need to know that part. Before you move on, just based yeah. on what you just said, I would like to point out that there are more summer days in September than there are in June. So September is more of a summer holiday than June is, yet we typically associate September with fall, June with summer. Right, right. Yeah, it'd be better if the seasons started at the end of a month and not like the 20th. Yeah, seriously. Come on, nature. Come Come on, Mother Nature. Come on. Come on. But yeah, sometimes, sometimes even in October, it's still uh, pretty hot out. I mean, again, depends on where you live, obviously. But up here, I've had some pretty hot October days, I'll tell you that much. That is true. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. It is still regular old summer right now. Um, and we're going to do a little bit of a recap of August, the last full month of summer. Uh, Eric, we had a lot of special holidays to uh, touch on that we touched on in the last episode in August, including my birthday. That's right. On August 8th. For the first time in my life, I was not in New Jersey for my birthday. We were on a family vacation. So this was our first full-fledged family of four vacation that was uh, included a road trip down to South Carolina, with a stop off in Virginia for one night. Uh, on the way down there, on the way home, we did a stop off in Maryland. Now, overall, this vacation receives a pretty mediocre score. Oh, man. Yeah. So it was a little bit of a Murphy's Law thing. I feel like a bunch of stuff went wrong. It just kind of kept snowballing. And it was definitely a vacation where I was probably looking forward to coming home more than any other vacation. Got it. And again, that was not based on one particular thing. It was sort of a combination of stuff. But the biggest kind of damper was that uh, our son AJ got sick on vacation, got taken to a doctor in another state, which is always annoying. And, you know, it was just a little bit of a a kid's cold, really. Tested positive for what they call RSV. I forget what it stands for, but it's essentially a kid's cold. Um, it's kind of on the more alarming side in, in young, young kids that are like less than a year old. Uh, but regardless, it still was pretty much, I think the worst, like, like outwardly sick that I saw him, like he Mm. was coughing one day nonstop, like could not get a sentence out so much coughing and eventually pass it on to his sister. And then eventually I got it. Uh, my wife, Lauren was the only one unscathed from the illness for vacation, but There were some highlights. I did have uh, a great birthday meal at a restaurant, one of the best steaks I've had in my entire life at a place called Clark's in uh, North Myrtle Beach. So uh, if you live around there, check out Clark's. Uh, Yeah, there was a couple cool things that we did. Went to the beach a couple times. AJ loved that. Went to the ocean. Um, Cool thing about the ocean there is, well, A, the water is 
ridiculously warm, like warmer than any ocean I think I've ever been in. And just because I guess the way the tide was that particular day, you could walk out way far into the ocean, like way cool. farther than I ever have in the Jersey Shore for sure, which is great for, you know, yeah. for us and with the kids and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, overall, eh, you know, so-so vacation. How many, uh, how many good days did you get with everybody feeling okay enough to do something? Maybe three or four, I guess. That's not bad. That's yeah. Not bad. Yeah. I will say, you know, one of the, the, the big silver lining, and this was a big, big uh, difference maker in the, in terms of how, how bad it could have been. Uh, we were staying with my in-laws at their house. They have a house in South Carolina. Uh, I think the situation would have been much, much more annoying and, and more, more suffering had we been in a hotel. Oh, yeah. For sure. So, you know, that's uh, that was definitely a little bit of a saving grace, having a regular old house to be sick in instead of a, a one-room hotel. So, uh, ironically, while you were down in South Carolina getting sick, uh, I actually, I got COVID. <laughs> so, and, you know, for about three days, I, like, I, you know, I, I quarantined, I distanced myself from the family, um, and then they all got sick anyway. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a pretty rough ride. Not as bad as the first time, you know, like I, we're both vaccinated. We got our booster, but it, you know, it was still, still pretty bad cold for a few days. Yeah. It's not fun. Nope. So yeah, there was a a lot of sleepless (laughs) nights, but you know, is what it is. Made the best of it. And now we're back home and everyone seems to be doing okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, board game wise, uh, August is a big one because you have Gen Con, which is one of the biggest conventions around. Lots and lots of games are uh, either released there for the first time, or a lot of a lot of them are announced. Although I guess that's kind of wavered a little bit in the past few years, given the way the pandemic has affected conventions and whatnot. But still, a whole lot of uh, of uh, publishers and stuff, people were there. So a lot, a lot, a lot of games to talk about. Eric and I are not going to go through a Gen Con list. We were not there. You can certainly look that stuff up, um, and you know maybe a couple things that we'll touch on later in the hotness. Could be, uh, you know, things that were announced at Gen Con. So who knows? So let's move on to our last three. And I believe that I am up first. So the last game that I played is called Jamaica. Now, we have talked about this game in the past. This game plays well over Zoom. Uh, And this is is a favorite of ours. It's uh, Malcolm Braff, Bruno Cathala, and Sebastian Pauchan. And it's published by Gameworks, at least... The version that I have is GameWorks. There's probably a whole bunch of other publishers. Anyway, this is a 2-6 to six player, 30-60 to 60 minute, ages 8 and up game. It's a racing game. It's got simultaneous action selection. There's a little bit of resource management, and there's combat, and you're basically pirates moving along this track trying to find these hidden treasures, steal gold and food and cannons from everybody else. And get to the end first. And that's how you win the game. And it's in the two-player version, which is what we mostly play when we're not playing it over Zoom, Mm -hmm. there is a ghost player. But it's not that bad, and it's not that confusing. So this is an acceptable two-player, you know, with a third ghost player kind of variant. Okay. Whereas... A lot of games that are two to six players, like Jamaica, just shouldn't play with two players. I'm okay with this one. 
And we have the expansion as well. I forget what it's called. Rum and Bones. I have no idea. That's another game entirely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just edit that. And, uh, but Jamaica, it, it adds, the Carcassonne expansion. <laughs> it adds like a, a, a grid of crew members. And you can, you know, when you go to these areas on the board that you pay gold, then you can recruit one of these crew members. And then they'll take up a spot in your, your cargo hold. Mm-hmm. You know, they have, I think, five, maybe six of them. And so they take up a spot, but they'll give you some sort of bonus, which, you know, is, could be worth it. And you can always replace them with gold later on. Yeah, kick so. them off the ship. I think yeah. it's just called the crew. Probably. Yeah. It's certainly not called rum and bones. But there's a little rum bottle. That's that's the marker yes. that you move. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's interesting because it, it, you don't have full access to the entire grid of people at first. Right. It depends on where that bottle kind of moves around a little bit. And then yeah. once you have to move it, you got to pay to move it. But definitely a great expansion. Maybe it doesn't work great over Zoom unless you both have it and then you set up the grid correctly. And then it's just, yeah. you know, a little bit of extra bookkeeping and it's possibly not worth it. But yeah, I think it would take away from the enjoyment factor. Jamaica, sure. great game. Jamaica me crazy. All right. My first of the last three is, no surprise, a flipping right because there's a whole lot of those over in this household. Uh, and again, I would say, I will say these three, uh, because we just came back from vacation, these last three were all played on vacation. So these are all South Carolina plays. We got super mega lucky box flipping right where you're just trying to kind of complete these uh, square cards. You're going to flip over one number. Everyone's going to cross off that number on one of their cards, try to complete the whole card. And as you can see here, there are these sort of extra bonuses for completing certain rows or columns on each card. In addition to getting some extra points, you can also get things that uh, these little tokens that let you do some stuff like the lightning bolts allows you to uh, manipulate the number that was just flipped. If you don't like it, you can change it up or down using as many of those lightning bolts as you want. So you know, if you got enough of them and this three comes out, but you really want it to be a seven, you can go ahead and move that thing four times if you want. Uh, in addition to that, there's some moon tokens, which will be uh, plus or minus points at the end of the game. And then stars are just another way to get points throughout. I really like this one because it is quick to the table and it is very easy to teach. Again, uh, I was able to teach this to my in-laws and it's Kind of a no-brainer, um, and it's always fun when you finally see someone getting that like chain reaction combination of stuff, right? Like you finish your own, you're like, "All right, that gives me a five. Well, that five finishes this column, which gives me a lightning bolt, and then you know you get all these other combinations and cascading things happen." So, Super Mega Lucky Box uh, is a quick one. This one's from Game Right. Uh, Phil Walker Harding, who is a designer we both enjoy his stuff a lot, is the designer of this one. Artwork by Sergey Seidlitz came out uh, last year. Plays from one to six, ages eight and up, says Board Game Geek. And it's about 20 minutes, which is very, very accurate. Uh, you can easily play this game more than once for sure. That is super mega lucky box. Yeah, that, that's a fun one. The first time I played that game, it was an instant classic. And it just seemed like, I can't believe this hasn't already been around. Like, I can't believe this wasn't already a game. Yeah. It just seems like it. Somebody should have made that like ten years ago. It's just so simple, right? There's yeah. really not a lot to it at all. Um, it doesn't. It, it doesn't need anything. I hope there's not an expansion for this game. It's totally <laughs> unnecessary. Please, no expansions for this. 
All right, what's your number two? All right, my number two is Tobago. This is... So first off, I'm just going to say this right up front. This is game number 100 in our 100 game challenge. This is the 100 different... The 100th different game that we've played this year. So our challenge is over, and now we can play whatever we want, finally. We saved this one for last, because this is both my wife and I, one of our you know top three favorite games, and it's a... Um, Bruce Allen, and I, I think this might be one of his only games. I'm not sure. They did put out an expansion for it. Uh, we have not gotten that. Uh, and this is published by Zach Verlag and nine other ones, including Rio Grande. So this is a treasure hunting, searching for game. You're playing out on your turn. You can either move your Jeep or you can play out a clue card as to where the treasure might be. And these clue cards will say things like within two of, you know, a certain type of landmark or in the largest area of mountain and the board, which is beautiful changes every time you put it out. You know, there's three areas of board and you can flip them over and it just changes a little bit of, you know, the layout of everything and the little, uh, the components for this game, there's like these little, I don't know, uh, like the Easter Island statues yeah, and little palm trees and little huts. And, you know, you put them out like within you know, at least four away from each other. And you just have to use these clues to, to narrow down where this treasure is. And then you go to get the treasure. And it's really cool. And then the best part of the game <clears throat> in this deck. So the way that the treasure works is, let's say in a two player game, I put out the first clue. Uh, you put out the second clue, I put out the third clue, and then I found it. So that means that I'm going to get three treasure cards to look at because I put out two clues plus I found it, mm-hmm. and you're going to get one treasure card to look at. And we're going to look at them, and then we're going to put them back, take an extra one from the deck, shuffle them all out, and then in order um, of the person that found it all the way to the first clue. You're going to go, do you want this? Whatever number it is, one through or two through six treasure. And you say yes. And then you take your token off or you say no. And it goes to the next person. And sometimes there's a curse card and just the situation is, is always a lot of fun when one person knows that there's a curse card in there and the other <laughs> person doesn't. And they're like, no, I don't want this too. And then it's your turn. You're like, I'll take the two. <laughs> you're like, well, why are they taking the two so quickly? So they can get out of there because they don't get cur- And that every time that happens, it, it is it is a really, really great time. Uh, like I said, this is this is one of my one of my favorite games, one of my wife's favorite games. We've played it three-player well. We've played it four-player. I don't know that I would recommend it with four-player. Um, it just seems to be, it could be a little confusing. There's a lot of moving pieces in a four, at least in the four player experiences I've had, and it could have been mm. the people, but this is best at two or three. Okay. And, uh, also we, we upgraded immediately, um, instead of the treasure cubes being white, gray, black, and brown, we went out and got like those little plastic, like crystal kind of things. And just, mm. so now we're putting them out. Look, uh, man. I can't wait to talk about this game in more detail because this game deserves a lot more attention than like a minute or two in a podcast. Ah, well, you know, maybe it's time for you to make your top hundred or top fifty. I could do I could do a top fifty. I don't think my top hundred would end up being like my top fifty and then fifty other games that I own that are good, mm. you know, or really yeah, yeah. good. You know, 
Like I, I don't think I've played enough that I should do a top hundred, but a top fifty, I could, I could, do. I could definitely do a top twenty-five. All right, all right, we'll start working on that. Yeah, I've already done it. Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll just start have working to on mine. Look at the new ones and maybe move some stuff around. Awesome. Yeah, I do enjoy that game too. By the way. Yeah. All right. Next up for me is another blank and right. Well, this one is a roll and right, and this is one that uh, you turned me on to. I had not played this game. You taught it to me. We played it over Zoom, and I picked it up pretty soon afterwards, and that is Trek 12. Uh, this is Trek 12, the uh, Himalaya version. I believe there's also an Amazon one, right? And then a bunch of, like, promos and stuff like that. I don't um, know if Amazon's out yet, um, or it might just be a print and play. I'm not sure. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but this this box alone comes with a lot of different maps, so there's a lot of replayability here. You can play any of these uh, as just like a one-off, which is the way we played it. Uh, again, because I was teaching it to new players. Or you can do like three of these different mountains and, and make it kind of like a campaign thing. Uh, but essentially, you're just going to roll these two dice and do something with them. Those things being either choosing the higher of the two numbers and writing that somewhere on your map. The lower of the two numbers, you can subtract them, you can add them. And you can multiply them. You can do each of those things only four times. So you want to choose wisely. What you're trying to do in this map with these numbers is a couple different things to score points. And again, you know, I like the way the scoring works in this game because it lends itself to teaching new players. I was teaching this to Lauren's stepdad and mom. And all I had to say was things like you're making a run or a group and he understood that that meant a bunch of numbers that were the same or a bunch of numbers that go in some kind of numerical order and that's what you're trying to do you're trying to make things go you know up one five six seven eight nine or maybe like group of threes or group of sevens things like that and you'll get points based on how many of those numbers are in that particular group and like what the highest one is and things like that uh there are some maps that have a little bit of uh different terrain where you're not allowed to use a certain number, right? It gets like narrower. Uh, the range of numbers you're allowed to put in some of those spots gets a little bit narrower. Right. Uh, but the, the the very simple one, the first one here, it doesn't have any of those restrictions. So this from Pandasaurus came out in 2020. Plays, they say anywhere from one to 50 players, which hmm. I mean, I guess makes sense, but why stop it at 50? Right. I mean, like it just is, it could be infinite. Then You just go to 99 like everybody else does. <laughs> <laughs> and it will still question it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it does play in about uh, 15 to 30 minutes, and that's definitely fair. Again, depending on if you're playing a, a one-off or, or a whole campaign. Uh, this one is also from Bruno Cathalo, who you mentioned earlier, along with uh, Quarantine Labrat, artworks by Jonathan Alcomte and Olivier Derotuo. Probably butcher that. Now, I, I don't remember if you mentioned this or not, but one of... This is another roll and write that seems like an instant classic, right? Yeah. You have two dice. One goes to six. One goes from zero to five. You roll them. You take those two numbers, and then you either take the lower number, the higher number, subtract the two, add the two, or multiply the two. And you can do each one of these four times. And that's so cool because, you know, you know what you're doing. You know what kind of numbers you need. Mm -hmm. At a certain point, you're like, well, I, I need all these high numbers. And you just, there's no way to get them because all you have left are like the lower number or the minus. And you're like, I'm not going to get that 10. This is, oh man, this is, uh, and unfortunately, so we got this for Christmas and 
we played it a bunch between Christmas and New Year's, and then we started our 100 game challenge, mm. and we played it once. And so we haven't played this since January. Yep. So now you got to get that campaign yeah. in there. Yeah. Expedition, I think they call it expedition, right? Yeah, we, we we had done one or two of those, you know, and then if you do a certain something, you get to open one of those envelopes. Right. Yeah. Cool little thing they did. I like it. I'm glad you uh you turned me on to that one. I want to look forward to playing that more. All right. So my final game of the last three that I've played is a game called Lost Cities. This is uh, a I've heard of this. Reiner Knizia game. This is a, a published by Cosmos. It's a two-player only. Uh, hand management, push your luck, set collection game, I guess. Plays in, the box says 30 minutes. Um, game plays in 10 minutes. <laughs> now, I don't know if in the rules it says, you really should play three games, don't just play one. But if you're going to play this game, you really should. You should play three games instead of just one. Because, you know, one game, the, the scores in this can be very, very swingy. Yeah, yeah. So just keep that in mind when you play. Um, But this is uh, for ages 10 and up. Basically, you have, I think, eight cards in your hand, and you can either play one under one of the whatever color it is, is maybe uh, five or six colors, or you can put it in the middle so that the other player could take it. And if you play something on a color, that means that you are going to definitely score that color. So if you play a two on something and that's it, you're going to lose 18 points because at the end of the game, the first thing you do is subtract 20 from any column that you started, and then you start adding up your points. And you're going to be putting out cards with numbers from 1 to 10, and that's it. That's the game. And it's really, really quick, really, really simple. I know I didn't explain it that great, but like this is, this is a classic. This has been around a long time. And if you're looking for a quick game to play – now. That, the cards are uh, uh, black rimmed or black bordered, so they, they look like they get beat up pretty easily. But yes. who cares? Whatever. You just take it out and you, you play a few games of it and you put it back in. You're like, oh, that was fun. And, you know, and the scores are going to be like 60 to 2 and then 85 to 17. You know, like like three crazy scores. But yeah, whoever yeah. wins two ends up the big winner. Yeah, definitely a lot of wear and tear on this because it's just cards and you're shuffling them a good amount too. If, if you play this game at like a board game cafe, unless it's a brand new copy... Those cards are going to be pretty beat up, but it yeah. kind of adds to the whole, you know, I don't know, adventure kind of ancient artifact-looking thing. There's not a lot of theme, but so there's also uh, Lost Cities, the dice game. There's um, Lost Cities board Rivals. There's the I think board there's Lost game. Cities, the board game. So there's like four other games that are all pretty similar, having to do the same kind of thing. Uh, we have Lost Cities Rivals and the dice game, and they're both great. And somehow this game has the most theme just because of like the look of the board and the cards. And there's no theme in this game, but it's great. It is great. And uh, it's, it's pretty intense for just cards. You know, you're maybe the first two, three turns, but at some point, you know, you're really like debating what to do. Like you don't want to get rid of this card in your hand. You know, your opponent's going for those reds and sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and, and just put it down. And um, then you, you could be sitting there with like four or five cards that you want to put down because it's like six, seven, eight, nine, ten for one color. And all of a sudden there's no cards left in the deck. <laughs> and you don't have any more turns left and you can't put them all down. Now yep. you're going to lose points because you waited to the, to the last second. Yep. So yeah, yep. a lot of... we. This is one of our oldest games. This has got to be one of like the first 
20 games or so that we we've owned and so it's gotten a lot of plays throughout mm-hmm. the years nice well my next one my last one i should say is a newer game pretty new in fact it's an award winner won the spiel to Chiaris this past year and that is cascadia mm-hmm. so cascadia uh, i could see being in my collection forever I love this game. I love teaching this game. I love looking at the cards in this game. Uh, I just love this game. This one is from Flat Out Games. Uh, plays one to four. Ages 10 and up, about 30, 45 minutes. That's pretty accurate. From designer Randy Flynn and art by the amazing Beth Sobel. Anything that her name is on, my eyes are going to look at for sure. Uh, in this game, you are building a sort of wildlife habitat in front of you with these hexagon tiles that all have different terrains on them. You don't have to match up the terrain types when you're making, when you put your tiles down, but it is quite beneficial if you do, because that's how you're going to score some points. Uh, in addition to that, there are some animal tokens. Those are the round ones. And each of these hexes has one, two, or three types of animals that could reside there. When it's your turn, you're basically choosing from the middle one set. So you're taking a, a hex tile and an animal token paired together, and then you're adding them to your, you know, your tableau. You don't have to put that token on the, the tile you just put out. You can, but you don't have to. So in addition to, to the matching the terrains, each of these animals, and there's five animals in the game, is going to score in a different way. And the cool thing about this game is there's actual, actually multiple cards for each animal. So the scoring objectives are, are not always going to be the same. A lot of replayability here. For example, the hawks uh, in, in one of the cards say they just need to be not adjacent to any other hawks. So they got to be solo. Sometimes they have to be facing each other like in a straight line. You have uh, salmon who kind of always want to be in sort of a row of some kind. Then uh, there's bears who sometimes want to be with another bear or a group of three or four. It all depends on the cards that come out. But that's a, that's basically the whole game. You're choosing those two things, putting them down in front of you as next person's turn. The only thing that's a little bit different is these nature tokens, which allow you to either wipe the tokens that are that are there to choose different ones, or it can break up that choice. So that instead of taking the two that are right next to each other, you can take an animal token from, say, the left, and then a wildlife habitat thing from the middle or the right. That's it. Um, Again, this was easy to teach. I will say that the first time I played it, and then, you know, I've noticed that the first plays of people that I've taught it to, it's easy to forget about the the terrain points, the way that the, the tiles are set up. A lot of times people are more focused on the animal tokens, but you get points for both. You uh, Second time you play, you, you definitely change up your strategy a little bit. That's why I love this game. You almost always want to play it immediately after it's over. I know the first time I learned it, I wanted to play it right away and teach it. So I was like, hey, hey, you know I want to learn this game? You guys play this game, Cascadia? I can teach it to you right now. You can play it right now. I was like, give it to me. That's yeah, uh, we love Cascadia. It's a, it's a great game. We've talked about that in the past before, I think, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it may even come up in conversation a little bit later on today. Oh, it's definitely going to come up in other <laughs> videos, too. You know, you make a great game, you're going to get talked about. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, so that is the conclusion of our last three or last six. So now it is time for poetic interlude number one. Haiku. Haiku. Would you like right. to go first or second with this haiku? Uh, well, it depends on how fast I can find my haiku because I have the world's most uh, unorganized notebook. All right. Me right you, here, want, so. you want me to go um, first? Oh, well, I found it. it. I found it. Okay, all right. I'll go first. All right, ready? Yes. <clears throat> here we go. Deep dive for treasure. Explorers on a budget. Gotta share the air. Deep sea adventure. You are correct, sir. Yeah. You know, I wanted to do that one um, for a while now, and I, today I was originally trying to write the limerick about it, and I just couldn't get the rhymes mm. going. I feel like the limerick is harder to write than the haiku. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. This one's a little silly, but I think you'll get it. <clears throat> What's in the sack, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> just, just a few loaves of bread, bread. Sounds like a lie, guy. Ah, that is a uh, sheriff of Nottingham. That is correct. Very nice. Nice rhyming. <laughs> I wrote that after we did the last podcast. When yeah. I just kept on trying to like <laughs> rhyme it. And I just kept on doing it. I wasn't even trying. <laughs> but yeah, right, right after we did that, I was like, oh, I got this one in my head. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well done, so, sir. Now we are getting to the meat. September. So, first off, more people are born in September than any other holiday. Month. Month. We'll just edit that out. Um, also, September. So, I was looking up some, you know, some interesting facts about September and, like, all these, like, crazy popular and, and, and really influential TV shows all premiered in September. And I was like, wow. And then I started thinking about all TV shows from, like, I don't know, 60s to like the 90s or early 2000s debuted in September. Like sure. that was just when the new season started. So it's not really that important. So September is big for back to school. Yeah. And we did not one, but two back to school videos. That's true. That is true. So we can, go, true. we can go check those out. I'm sure we'll throw a link down there. And by we, I mean Batista. Yes. Above your head. Above my head. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Ryan joined us for one of those. That is true. Yeah. Uh, September is also known for fall, like we talked about before. It's actually more of a summer holiday, but that's when the leaves start changing towards the end of summer, and that's when you really start to notice that fall is coming. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so let's start getting into some of these specific days. September 1st is the date that Robinson Crusoe started his first sea voyage from Hull to London in that book or series of books. I'm actually really not sure. I think it was just one book, right? I don't know. I don't know. There was like eight sea voyages. Anyway, this is really, because we've talked about Robinson Crusoe before, this is just an excuse for me to give you guys a bonus limerick. Whoa. So I, I, I had already done a haiku for Robinson Crusoe. Mm -hmm. And so I did a limerick as well. And so I figured I'm probably not going to use it because I already did the haiku. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and use it right now. All right. Okay. <clears throat> it's kind of along the same lines as the haiku, though. <laughs> this game has a cooperative style. Escape from some deserted aisle. It's a great game to be choosing. 
if you quite enjoy losing <laughs> and playing a really long while. Yes, those yeah. are all true facts. But it's still a great game. It is. It is. Yep. It's just right. uh, not going to get out to the table that often. That's no. for sure. And then also September 3rd in 1995 is the day that eBay was founded. And mm. so eBay for a while was, you know, big news. And then it kind of died off a little bit, but it's still around and it's still doing pretty good. And you can, oh, get, yeah. you can get a lot of board games through eBay for, for somewhat decent prices. Shipping can be a killer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you got to do the math. I'm pretty sure there is also an eBay board game that came out at some point. There probably is do you remember there used to be there used to be like ebay stores where you would take your stuff there and they would put it on ebay for you you know i only remember that from that movie 40 year old version i think (laughs) (laughs) that's the only time i've ever seen an ebay store yeah no there was one there was one in verona for for a few years actually so speaking of ebay store the i heard the board game geek marketplace is closing Yes. So now eBay is possibly a top contender for where to get your board games that you can't find on BGG. Tis true. Tis true. All right. Anyway, let's get to the slides for those of you watching, for those of you listening. There are no slides. All right. September 4th is National Wildlife Day. Now, we will probably do a top 10 video of wildlife games at some point because more Cascadia. There's, yeah, Cascadia. <laughs> There's so many out there that are just great games. It's, it's a theme that I love. So when it, when, and my wife as well, when, it, when a game comes out on Kickstarter, a new game, we're going to immediately look at it. And if it seems remotely interesting, we'll probably get it. Mm-hmm. And if they write something on like, oh, you know, proceeds from this go to help the, whatever, all right, we're going to buy it. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite games that we have talked about before is Meadow. It is a it, designed by Clemens Kalicki and published by Rebel Studios. And it is a great game. It's got all different pieces of unique artwork throughout the cards. Mm-hmm. It's got this interesting mechanism where you use this little arrow to point in a grid of cards at to which number card away from where you put the arrow, which can be on any of three sides to take. And it's just, it's got a lot of cool stuff going on. And I highly, highly recommend this game. Agreed. But again, that's not the only game about wildlife. No, there's a whole bunch. Uh, I just slapped up here animals on board because I just saw it on the shelf. Uh, This is from Stronghold Games. The story behind this is you're kind of like Noah's rival, right? So Noah's Ark has all the pairs of animals. Right. So you want anything but that. Um, and this is one of those, like, I split, you choose sort of things. There's a bunch of animal tiles in the middle of the board. When it's your turn, you can make a split or take a group. Uh, but once you take a group, you're, you're done for that round. You're not taking any more animals. Everybody does that. You're trying to get groups of, like I said, three, four, or five um, of the same type. And you'll even get points for a single animal as well. You just don't want those pairs because those are Noah's. We, uh, we did play this game for our 100-game challenge, and it's... It's a it's a great game, like a filler game, because it's mm-hmm. if you haven't played it in a couple of years, you don't remember how to play. You pick it up, you look at the rules for two minutes, you're like, oh yeah, and then you play, and then you're yeah. done in fifteen minutes anyway. Yeah, yep, it's fast. Yep. And then Wild Serengeti, we we actually recently talked about it on a Kickstarter Day video not too long ago. Yeah, so you can check that out too. Yeah, that that's another example of uh, my wife backed this on Kickstarter because it's got animals. <laughs> and it was it was a cool game. It was I think you had to uh, 
like line up. You had to put animals in certain positions in a certain order because you had these right. cards where you wanted to take a picture of game of uh, a tiger or I don't think there's any tigers in the game. A lion, an elephant, and a giraffe standing in a row. So it's kind of a weird theme, but it's cool because it's animals and you're taking a picture. You're not hunting them. You're not doing. Yeah, no, it's about nature photography, which is which is pretty cool. All right. What's next? All right. Moving on. So that is September 4th. September 5th is Labor Day. Now, Labor Day is a celebration of American workers. And so I thought maybe we'll pick some kind of worker placement game that takes place in America. So I just randomly uh, grabbed the Manhattan Project. I've never even played this game. Uh, <laughs> well it's, done. It's designed by Brandon Tibbetts. It's uh, Minion Games and, I don't know, seven other publishers. And uh, it's it's some sort of worker placement game. And, uh, and I forgot because when we when when we were looking through the sides slides before uh, Batista had informed me this game is about making a bomb, which it is, but they're still workers, and it's still in America. So I stick by my pick. Uh, we should say Labor Day also is sort of the unofficial end of summer. The way we've mentioned that Memorial Day is the unofficial start of summer. You know, a lot of like town pools and like seasonal kind of like parks and stuff tend to, to shut down after Labor Day. And, you know, it is at least in, in this area, New Jersey, it's back to school time. Uh, I know a lot of other places are, have already started in August. In fact, when we left South Carolina, uh, the day we, we started driving home was their first day of school down there. Hmm. So they started in August. So that's that. All right. What do you got? All right, so the next date we have is September 8th is the <laughs> the Rams versus the Bills. So it's the first game of the NFL. And so to commemorate the first game of MRL, uh, the NFL in uh, 2022, we have this game called First and Goal. We haven't played it in a while. It's a football game. It looks really cool. And it's basically like a little hand management game. Uh, it's designed by Stephen Glenn and published by R and R Games, and you just you're picking your play of a card, you simultaneous action selection, and then the defense is picking their defense, and then you roll some dice based on you know if they're defending kind of a run and you're doing a pass, then you might get to roll like two or three dice, and then you roll and you're just chucking dice and rolling them and moving down the field or not. But when you score a touchdown, when you, oh, when you throw a bomb and then the guy runs and you get like a 40-yard pass and then he gets a breakaway roll, so he gets to roll all the dice again and then he gets into the end zone, that's a great feeling. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's what, this is one of the games where I'll put my arms up and run around the house going, touchdown! <laughs> I don't, and not just touchdown, but I don't, I don't put my arms up and run around celebrating, you know, especially in a, in a, in a, co- a competitive game. You know, that's it's just me and my wife here. That's kind of rubbing it in. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't, uh, you don't yell touchdown in like Everdell or anything? <laughs> no, I might start, but not yet. Are they uh, they're generic teams in this? They're not like licensed NFL teams, are they? No, they're generic teams. And right. there's, a, there's a bunch of expansions. Uh, we have one, and I think you had to put your own stickers on the dice, and it was... Yeah. Yeah, it was confusing because I, I don't remember there actually being rules. and We hadn't played the game in a while, and we were rolling their own defense die against them. It, it's, yeah, it, mm-hmm. was, it was confusing. So we just don't play with that anymore. Although we haven't played the game in a while. Anyway, moving on. 
So uh, we don't have a slide for this one, but September 11th is September 11th. Can't do, you know, podcast talk about September, not talk about uh, what is now known as Patriot Day. Uh, it's also National Hug Your Hound Day. And uh, I love to give my hound hugs, but she's sleeping over on the floor. And it's uh, Grandparents Day. So nice. you know, if you've got a board game that your grandparents can play, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing to recommend, so... Let's, well, let's a lot, a lot depends on how old the grandparents are, right? Right. Because you know they could be grandparents of of all. I mean, Tom Bassel is your grandfather at this point. That is true. <laughs> all right. So our next day is September twelfth, which is National Video Games Day. Beep, boop, and beep, boop. I feel like we've talked about this before, but I couldn't find it anywhere. So we're going to talk about it here again anyway. So couple games that give you that kind of video game feel um one in particular seventh continent because mm-hmm. you play this game and then wherever you leave off because you you know it's not like you play it and then you die it's this giant map campaign style wherever you leave off you take all your cards you put them back in order in this specific way and then the next time you play you pick up that and you it's like you save your game and you save your progress and now you're just here where you ended your last game and you continue exploring everything right and that, that's a really cool feel and uh we have to get this one to the table it takes up a lot of space sure and we don't have the greatest table for that currently you got played on the floor <laughs> yeah um as soon as i heard of as soon as we mentioned this day the first game that came to mind for me was boss monster uh really based on the artwork alone you know this is the you know nintendo 8-bit, well, no, not, no, 16-bit kind of artwork here. It even looks like uh, one of the old, you know, containers with a new game in it. And basically in that one, you're you're building this sort of, you know, level for, for a hero to go through. And then there was at least two expansions, I think, to that base game, uh, along with another one. And then recently there's this overboss one where the, you know, big bad from the dungeon is now out to the overworld trying to take over. I think that one has a little more worker placement. I'm uh, not worker placement, mm. tile placement to it. Uh, but yeah, this boss monster definitely has that old school Nintendo feel to it. So I want to put that one up there. I did not realize that Overboss was the same monster from Boss Monster. Ah, yeah. Look, he's, yeah. It, you know, it's interesting because it's almost like the evolution of the, of the video game, right? Like the artwork looks different right. now and it's a little more complex. So I like how they did that for that. And uh, yeah, there's definitely other ones that you can definitely say are, are have a video game feel to them. These are just a couple that jumped out to us. Now, Boss Monster is another another game that has been in our collection for a very, very, very long time. Yeah, We haven't played it in a long time. It's not much of a game for us as to where we are as gamers now, but like it's a, it's a it's a cool little younger kids will kids will like it. I'm not sure what the age range on it, but you know, like that that ten to ten to twelve age range, they'll probably enjoy it because you're trying to lure heroes in and destroy them in your dungeons. So like it's got like a, a kind of cool theme. It just doesn't really work for us anymore. Yeah, but you will get around right. it. So the next day we're going to talk about is uh, September 13th, which uh, is Programmer's Day, which I don't really know what that means. It's just a day if you're, I guess, a computer programmer. But I saw it and I was like, oh, man, we can talk about a programming game. 
so the one that I chose is called Dragon and Flagon. Mm-hmm. It's uh, designed by Jeff Brian Jeff Brian and Sidney Engelstein, which I assume are all siblings that were like, "Hey, let's make this game." And it was uh, published by Stronghold Games. And so this is a, like we said, um, programming game where you're programming your movements three cards in advance. Mm-hmm. And But it's a barroom brawl. And so you might pick up a chair and go to throw it at somebody, but that person already leapt off the table to try to drop kick somebody else. And then you throw the chair and it hits somebody different instead. And so you still get points, but then, you know, something else happens and somebody throws a cup and it hits you in the head. And it's just a lot of crazy stuff can happen. And when you play and this, I think this plays two to eight. And when you play, if everybody kind of knows what they're doing, it can be a lot of fun. Now, there are times you're going to play this game, and every time you go to do something, you're going to miss. And <laughs> you're, going to, you're going to have that in most programming games. But if you have a good group of people, and everybody's kind of into that barroom brawl attitude, and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to do that, it doesn't matter. Right. You know, like, I think the last time we played this game, I had, like, negative two points, and everybody else had, like, 70-something. <laughs> but it was right. fun. We, we had a blast. I will point out that so Jeff Engelstein is the uh, designer of of a few games, but um, Super Skill Pinball is his, right? And and Sydney, I believe, is his daughter. Um, oh, okay. Now is I think she works for Stronghold Games now, and I don't know much about Brian, but yeah, that's it's a it's a dad, and I'm assuming that's his son as well. Cool. Yeah, so not a, my a little, a little family game where they were like, oh, yeah, yeah. A game about a barroom brawl. Not my favorite genre in terms of, or no, mechanic, I should say, in terms of programming. I just tend to not be good at them. Um, but I would give this one a shot because the theme is is pretty unique. All right. All what's, right. Next? what's next is September 17th is the day that Oktoberfest starts. I don't know if it's every year that it starts on the 17th or if it's like the first whatever of October, hmm. but this is September. Anyway, uh, there's a game called Oktoberfest. I have never played it. I don't know that much about it. It was designed by Joshua Gerald Balvin, and it was published by Rio Grande Games. So it's a it's a bluffing and an auction auctioning kind of game, and it plays three to five players. So oh, a lot of strikes I mean, against this game. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's a bluffing and auction game, more than likely you can't play it with two players in the first place. So Wrong. that's that's kind of why I really haven't had a chance to learn more into this, learn more about this game. Uh, but it did tell me, cause I was reading the, uh, the little introduction about it on board game geek. And so I didn't realize that Oktoberfest was originally a celebration of a wedding. And then every year they started celebrating it again and again. And then it just became this huge celebration. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Do, 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 do. There you go. Good you know. All right. And so also on the 17th of September, it is Batman Day. Na, 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 na. Batman! No shortage of Batman games for no. sure. One of the games that I really like about Batman is, is Batman, the animated series Rogues Gallery. Mm. Now, this game is, uh, I think it's three to five or three to six players. Uh, let me look at the, oh, on the picture it says three to five. All right, so it's three to five players, 
And so I can't really get this to the table very often, but I did. I was able to play this game and it was fun. It's, it's a little, it's a push your luck game with some cards and you basically on your turn, you're, you're each a villain and you want to get strong enough and have enough upgrades and, and I don't know, thugs or whatever to eventually fight Batman. So what you're doing is you're flipping over a hero card and then, so you actually first you roll a bunch of dice. You roll, I don't know, six, seven, eight dice. And then you flip over a hero card and then it'll tell you how to defeat him with whatever dice. So if you have those dice, you put them there. Otherwise, you're going to use some of your upgrades and things to manipulate those dice and go through as many of these cards as you can. Mm-hmm. That's the push your luck. If you flip a card and you can't defeat him, you don't get most of your points. And I love the artwork from Batman, the animated series. Maybe that's why I like this game so much. But we had a blast playing this, and I can't wait to get this one to the table again. Yeah, I enjoyed this too. So the only Batman game I own is Love Letter, and the artwork there is is definitely not from the animated series, although it is pretty cool. Uh, If you've never heard of Love Letter, I'd be shocked if you're watching or listening to this. But this Batman version is pretty similar. The only big difference is that if you correctly uh, guess, so in Love Letter, one of the one of the cards is the is the guard. Uh, in this game, it's Batman, which lets you try to guess what another player has. If you guess correctly in this game, you get a point. You get one of the Batman tokens in addition to getting a token if you're the last person surviving in the round. Basically, this is a game with a few cards that go from level one through eight. Uh, whoever's left with the highest card in their hand at the end of the round is going to win, but it's not always easy to hold on to those cards because some other cards are going to make you discard stuff or someone's going to guess what you have or you're going to trade hands with somebody else. And it's a cool little, uh, you know, it's very basic social deduction, but I've had success teaching this uh, to young players. So this one will definitely stay in my collection. And I did see, you know, we mentioned eBay earlier. Apparently this game is not in print anymore. And I've seen hmm. some copies going on eBay for 70, 80 bucks. I was shocked. Maybe they're going to reprint it and call it something different. Batman. <laughs> Instead of a love, love letter, letter Batman. Game. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the, the complete opposite of that is this Batman, <laughs> the Batman who laughs rising, which is one of the craziest looking uh, covers and craziest looking comics that I've ever seen in uh, this one is cooperative where you're all playing with, against this deranged version of Batman who's in the middle. There's other versions of this game, Harry Potter and uh, Thanos as well, but they're all relatively the same concept, uh, cooperative card play. So I believe that the Batman who laughs is from a, a different dimension from like a, a dimension where everything's evil. Mm-hmm. And he is Bruce Wayne that became the Joker. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just throwing that out there. Frightening. Now, I've never played any of the Rising games because this is just a reskin of a bunch of different games, right? There's a Harry Potter one. There's a SpongeBob one, I think. Yes. So there's, yep. there's a bunch of these something Rising games. And I haven't played any, but they all seem to be, what? what is it, like uh, like area control kind of? Uh, I think so. I think the cards around are different, like, bases, and then you eventually try to do something with the middle. I, I honestly don't know. Okay. Well, it's Batman, so. Yeah, Batman. All right. 
There's also a game, uh, Batman, I think Gotham Knights. Is that what it's called? It was like a Kickstarter. If you get everything, it was like, I don't know, three, four, five hundred dollars something yeah, like that. Big, big, big game. Oh, man. And like the rule book was terrible. Like absolutely terrible. Oh, man. I feel bad for a lot of people that didn't need to waste that money on that game. Yeah, I think that was that was a pretty big flop overall. All right. So uh, September 18th is National Cheeseburger Day. Which, delicious yeah i wouldn't really make a big deal of this we've talked about burger up i think we talked about it last month for uh for national <laughs> sandwich day or something just another excuse to talk about this game it's a fun game that's it we already go it's you know like how, how many times can we talk about this huh it's All the right. new flux we can squeeze it into anything apparently i guess <laughs> All anyway right. what's next All right. So September 26th is National Pancake Day. Ooh, also delicious. Mm-hmm. I love me some pancakes, and I'll play a game about pancakes. Well, there is Flapjack Flipout, amongst others. Uh, this is kind of a dexterity combination memory game. You have different recipes to make different types of pancakes, and you're trying to remember what stack they're in. And then when it comes out, you try to grab it as fast as you can, put on your little flipper thing, and try to flip it over to the other side of the card. And I think that's how you make the pancake and get points. I've never played it, but it sounds like it would be uh, chaotic fun, which I'm always down for. And like you said, it's pancakes, so come on. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like this game is not going to be that good with two, or it doesn't play for two, so we haven't really checked it out yet. But uh, this is at my friendly local game store. And eventually, uh. we'll probably own it. <laughs> nice. All right. So the last holiday in September to talk about is September 29th, which is National Coffee Day. Oh, A lot so of people love here. coffee. I like coffee. I don't love coffee. I love coffee, for sure. Um, Viva Java, there is a game called Viva Java. I have Viva Java, the coffee game, the dice game, which was probably on the earlier side of my collection as well. Not the best rule book, definitely hard to understand some of the stuff and it's kind of a small print rule book as well. But basically you're rolling these different types, these different dice that have different faces on them, which are different uh, values and different types of coffee beans. So you're trying to make different blends of coffee. Um, you can kind of like push your luck and keep, your blend out there, it's going to slowly each round like deteriorate in terms of value, but you can keep it out there until someone else makes a better blend or you decide to take your dice back. And there's a couple different ways to score points. There's also a lot of different special abilities that you can get that let you do things like uh, change, you know, a color of one of the beans and the strength of the roast and things like that. So it's a fun one. You know, it always takes a little bit of a, a time to reread the rule book for this one, but I do enjoy it. Um, now, I put up Coffee Roaster here for you specifically because I know that you've been lately getting a little more into some solo gameplay. Um, and I bring this up because Coffee Roaster is a solo only game hmm. um, about, well, being the best coffee roaster. So it's, you know, it's a solo puzzle. And uh, I've, I've heard very good things about it from, from people that are pretty well-known, you know, solo fans of solo gaming. Nice. Um, so, yeah, maybe someday check this one out. I would say this would probably be a try before you buy. Right. 
because of, because of that fact, right. right? If you don't like it, then it's just certainly going to sit there on your shelf and not get played. Uh, but that's Coffee Roaster, a solo coffee experience. All right, move it along now. We are at our second poetic interlude. This one shall be our limerick. Okay. And I believe I'm going first. Are you ready for this? Hit it. <clears throat> there once was a man from the shore who worked at a surfboard store. As the neighborhood grew, more tourists came through and moved to the circles to score. Santa Monica. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. I wasn't sure if surfboard store was going to like kind of throw that at you. So I had to like explain how they scored yep. <laughs> the final line. Now, I think last month we talked about, we mentioned this game briefly because it was summer. And I don't think you had played it for your 100 game challenge yet. Did it get played? Oh, it did. It got played. It did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I got to play this one. Uh, it's been a while since we played this. And also, it can be played over Zoom, which is bonus. That All is right. true. Here's mine. All right. There once was a kid on vacation with his folks driving across the nation. But later they fled from hordes of undead on the brink of total annihilation. Oh, man. Can you say that one more time? Sure. There once was a kid on vacation with his folks driving across the nation. But later they fled from hordes of undead on the brink of total annihilation. Hitsy Road. Yes, that is correct. Oh, man. You want to hear something funny? Sure. I have a backup <laughs> limerick that I was going to save for Halloween, for October. Oh, boy. And it was for Hitsy Road. Uh-huh. So I'm just, we're going, we're going, we're going to do another a bonus limerick. I can't believe that. Ah, all right. <laughs> all right, you ready? Yeah. Zombies had overrun my town. <laughs> And there was no point in sticking around. So we grabbed everything we could, leaving behind our old neighborhood. And I made this game with some crap that I found. <laughs> <laughs> ah, nice. Yours is better than mine. I like that. Oh, I got to do another Halloween one now. <laughs> I can't believe that out of all the games. Sorry. That's all right. All right. <laughs> so it's time for the hotness. All right, so our first game we want to talk about in the hotness is Wingspan. So I've heard of that. Wingspan, uh, I think it came out in 2019. Everybody's heard of Wingspan. For some reason, it's in the hotness now, and we believe it's because they recently announced an expansion. That's correct. These are the Birds of Asia now in this next expansion. So this is a game that you are basically putting out uh, you know, it's a worker placement game. You're picking some spots to either take some new birds into your hand or take some uh, food resources from the bird feeder or play these birds out into their respective habitats. And you can even lay some eggs. You'll get points in a whole bunch of different ways. Uh, there is the base game. There is the European expansion. There is the Oceana expansion. And now the Asia one. Uh, I will definitely be getting this. This is mm -hmm. my favorite game, and I'm okay with mixing all those cards together. Uh, they they play well together. There's no crazy, you know, 
I'll take this one out because you put this one in. We talk about rule books a lot. I, I think the rule book for this game is is very well written. Uh, most things from Stonemaier games are are that way. And with the expansions, there's a lot of very clear, you know, well, what if you have this card in this game? It's right here. It does this. Okay. You know, it's I, I never really have to search for stuff about this game. Right. Um, also, I will say that I believe I saw, and I don't know if it was a Gen Con announcement or not, uh, but I believe they are making a big storage box for this now. Oh, that good. There are going to be was, so many cards. Yeah. I was going to say they better put out like a big box expansion where you can hold all the cards in one thing. Because yeah. we're not going to be able to fit them all in, in you know, two things. And then they won't fit in the box if they put out another one of those little plastic things that they put in the last two. Oh yeah, no, I don't even have that plastic thing in my because this is a game that I got some some upgraded like yeah. uh, storage things for, um, and that it, it easily the heaviest box in my, in my collection because of that. And there is nothing else fitting in that in that base box for sure. Um, so I think this is called the nesting box. Uh, I'm not sure if it's available yet, and I think it's I think it will at least have some extra room for future expansions. Not that they're like set in know- stone. Do you know if this is going to be a Kickstarter, this expansion? Because maybe that will just be an add-on. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't All know. right. All right. What's next? What's next, I believe, is Ahoy. Ahoy, Captain. So I believe this game was just released at Gen Con or was at Gen Con for show or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know because I was not at Gen Con. Anyway, this is designed by Greg Loring Albright and published by Leader Games. And this is an asymmetrical two to four player game with some pickup and deliver and area control. Now, nothing about that sounds interesting to me. I don't like asymmetrical games and pickup and deliver and area control is eh. But upon further reading, I saw that. So, so another thing is when you play a two-player game, you have to be these two different factions. There's four factions in the game, but if you're only playing two-player, you have to be these two. And then if you play a third or fourth, then you can be these other two factions, which is kind of weird to me. Hmm. Uh, but uh, one of the factions is sharks. So, oh, nice. And if you if you are looking at the at the game box, if you're watching this on YouTube, and you can see some of these little pirates on the ship are sharks <laughs> holding swords and dressed as uh, pirates and everything. So it looks cool. I might check it out. I don't think I would buy this game, but I would definitely play this if somebody had it or if it was at the, my local store and they had it, you know, to bar to rent. Hmm. Do you know what any of the other factions are? Uh, one of them is mollusks. Okay. And then I think the other two are, you know, I'm not sure. I want to say crabs might be one. And I'm looking on the on the game box here, and it looks like crabs are definitely represented. Crab people, crab people. Yeah, but I, 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 I'm not sure of the fourth one. Got it. Ahoy. I like the name. Yeah. I like the theme. It's got, so it's also, it's got tile laying. And the tiles are, you know, they've got this bright blue sea and, you know, like whatever land pieces that are on it. So it looks really cool when you start to build this board and lay it out. Uh, but, you know, the area control and the pickup and deliver. Well, I don't mind pickup and deliver. That's, you know, that's a normal thing in a game. 
not a big area control fan. And I guess my, my big hang up is the fact that, oh, it's a two to four player game. Oh, great. But in a two player game, you have to be these two. It right. seems like it might be a little abstract or whatever, especially with the, with the asymmetrical thing. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. I, I guess they didn't try to, to balance it with the other factions. Like if I get a game like that, I want to be able to play, you know, multiple factions at any time. Right. One more on the hotness scale here. Uh, this one is currently on Kickstarter as of this recording. By the time this one comes out, there'll probably be, uh, I don't know, maybe a week or two left from it. This one's called yeah, Trailblazers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this image, by the way, is right from the Kickstarter page. So there's that. Trailblazers is a game where you're going to be making these paths. So I enjoy that mechanism for sure. Uh, you're going to get a hand of cards and do a little bit of drafting where, you know, you take two and then pass the rest to the next person. You get a new set and you do that a couple times. And then you're going to start kind of building these, these pathways. So the cool thing about this game, though, is there's three different types. There are uh, hiking paths, there are biking paths, and then there are kayak paths. So those are the different color paths in the game. Uh, you're going to have like a base camp for each one of these two. So it sounds like in the beginning, like in round one, you choose a base camp that you're going to start with, whether it's the kayak, the biking, or the hiking. And then you're building your, your paths around that. There's also um, some in-game scoring objectives that will come out. You know, something like have three complete loops or something like that, or go around a, you know, a campsite. And then on, on top of that, there's end game scoring conditions as well um there's a couple of expansions that you can add on to your pledge here one of them is is these animals well they both actually involve the animal tokens but the one of them is is just strictly the animals where you're trying to put the most unique animals on each path and that'll scale up in points so you know one animal gets you one points two gets you three etc etc it sounds like the other expansion is a lot more complicated it's like the adventure thing where all those those in-game and end-game scoring goals kind of go out the window. I don't know a ton about how that one plays out. Uh, but I like the way this looks. You know, we love tiling games. These are cards. We love making those paths. It's kind of cool. It reminds me a little bit of the uh, the Sprawlopolis game that Button Shy had, although that's co-op. Yeah. But yeah. similar, you know, similar in that you're it just yeah, It looks the same with those kind of cards. Right, right. So... I don't know. This looks interesting. I, I don't think I would back it, but I would definitely play it. There are kind of a couple of insane uh, pledge levels on this where they have like, you know, waterproof cards or something like that. And these yeah crazy carrying cases and things like that. But yeah. Uh, uh, one other thing that I did know about this game that I want to throw out there is that you can, if you're, if you're trying to do one of these loops for whatever, you can take a card. And put it on top of another card just mm -hmm. to complete a loop. But it, you know, you're not married to this one path. If you, if, you know, it's going to mess something else up. Right. And that, right. That's cool that you can do that. So this one is uh, designed by Ryan Courtney, who has a few games under his belt. Uh, BGG says it's eight and up, about thirty minutes, and has a solo mode, but also plays up to eight players. So there's that. That's Trail Blazers, blazing the trail. I like the cover. I like the artwork actually on this, and the some of those. Meeple tokens are pretty cool. Yeah, this one looks cool. I, I immediately was attracted to it and was reading it. And then I saw, you know, the uh, 
the carrying case and the waterproof cards. And I was like, oh, well, that, I guess, is cool. And they're like, and then there's this big game that has all these meeples and everything. I was like, so wait, you don't get the meeples in the little carrying case? So it's not really yeah. a full game. It's just, you know, it's it's like they made this base game and then they made it better with these expansions but they just want to sell you this base game because it's waterproof. I, I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, like who needs a waterproof game? Like that's, that's a lot of extra money to get, you know, that, that deluxe edition. For sure. Right. For sure. I mean, I wonder, I don't know the price, but you know, you can just get two copies of the regular one, right? Yeah. Play we're one just, in the rain. Don't play in the water. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right? like I don't, I don't play a lot of board games in the rain. So, <laughs> Maybe I'm not the person to be talking about this. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? You got to find a, a gimmick, something that makes your game different, and if that's what it what it takes, then more power to them. But you know, so, it, it feels like the the artwork and the look of the game is already enough to bring in you know people and, and bring in the interest and have people look at it. That you know, it just again, it, I feel like it's a useless gimmick. I guess. Yeah, I agree. But I still like the game. So that's it. We are done. No more bonus poetry. No more days in September. No more hotness. No more whatevers. We will see you guys next month. Yeah. Well, we'll see you before that, but we'll be back next month. Right. Um, we will We will talk to you guys next month if you're listening. All right, folks. That's it for now. We will see you in a little bit. And uh, thanks for watching and listening. We'll see you. Bye. See ya. See ya.